Welcome to Born to Sell Denver with Brian Smith and Sean Modry. Today's guest is Allie Van Westenberg. Welcome, Allie. Thanks for having me. All right. Let's I, think start. It, I think it's the Allie Van Westenberg. <laughs> if you've been in real estate for any time in Denver, oh, it's the legend. A, just a little bit of time. Yeah. Well, you are kind of a legend, actually. <laughs> so let's hear a little bit about you, Allie, to start off. Tell us your story. Okay, well, simple story. Um, I got into real estate business, gosh, I was about 40 at that point. Um, hadn't worked. I'd been a professional volunteer all of my um, young adult life. And uh, it was time to, to get a job and go to work. Fortunately, I had a real estate license. So I decided that uh, I'd step into that realm and um, didn't even know where to begin. Back then, there wasn't a lot of training. And I heard about a coaching program that talked about lead generation. So I went to one of their programs and they just talked about making phone calls. Well, I'd been doing a lot of phone call work, asking for free stuff for years because of volunteer work. I just picked up the phone book and started dialing my city. Wow. That's how I got in the business. Yeah. Yeah. So I did that, you know, for a long time. And then, um, I got into at that point, uh, project development. So I was doing land assemblages, putting to, together condominium pro, uh, projects for developers. And I was doing a lot of that downtown Denver, you know, besides residential real estate, had a team at that point. I was doing seven levels, if you know Keller Williams' model, before I even know what they were, because I had four projects running and I had teams at all the different locations. And so I, I did that for a long time until the market shifted. And of course, then I had to go back to the lead generation, because condo uh, yeah. sales were not available because of the defect laws. Yeah. So then back to the original, you know, routine. That's when I came over to Keller. That was back in 2012, 11 or 12, something like that. At that point, um, you know, my team had dwindled down to about four people. And um, we just started getting back into the basics, you know, lead generation, uh, lead follow-up, script, role play. And our business built back up again I think uh, about 150 transactions, 143 actually. I was in Gary's top mastermind for a while. And we kept, we, we did over a million GCI every year for a long time. Yeah. And then recently I went into MAPS coaching. I'm now a MAPS coach for Keller Williams. And those of you that don't know what that is, it's a, I'm a coach that helps other real estate agents build their businesses. And now I'm teaching them how to invest, which has become one of my passions for myself and for my family. And so I still run a team. Uh, we do, you know, uh, we do a substantial amount of business. Um, however, it's not my main focus anymore. Okay. Well, I have to go back to when um, I first met you around 2011, 2012, when you came to Keller Williams. And, um, you know, what Sean said about you about being a legend is true. And I was, there's not very many people I was actually intimidated to meet along the, the line. You were one of those people because of your name and, your, you know, your professionalism and everything. Mm-hmm. And you were at uh, Cobalt Banker at the time. Um, and I just found you to be one of the nicest people in this business. Yeah. And humble. And, and humble. Yeah. That's right. I mean, the success that you've had, and you're kind of matter of fact about it. You're like, eh, you know, we did a million. No big deal. You know? It's like, okay. 150 transactions. Yeah. yeah. We could do better. <laughs> yeah. Just another day at the office, right? It, it's true, though, about top producers, though. Like, when you look at them and you think, oh, wow, you know, they did so much, their goal was often higher. Mm-hmm. Right. So what we're seeing or what somebody's seeing from an external that's impressive is actually oftentimes below their ambition. Right. So like 
when you, when for other people that are thinking about their situation, they're thinking, hey, I'm not hitting my goals. Well, you just got to look at it as like it's 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 a progress, right? Well, I think very rarely you hit your goals because even if you're on track, you adjust. Yeah. Because you always want to be fighting uphill rather than stabilizing. So if you're so so if you're ahead of your goals or getting ahead of your goals, raise your goal. Is exactly. What you're oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Up your game. Yeah. Don't adjust down. No. <laughs> I just want to make sure we're clear. Yeah. <laughs> You talked about uh, a coaching program that you were attracted to, and I know that you've really been into a lot of different coaching programs over the years. And so what are some of those coaching programs that you really believe in? I mean, you're very prospecting based, right? Yes. Okay. So tell me about that. Well, I mean, um, if those of you that have been in the real estate business for a while, you've heard the name Mike Ferry. Mm -hmm. And of course, that was the original training that I was um, uh, introduced to. And it was funny because I remember I was new to the business and I was looking for the way to do business. I mean, back then you sat floor. I was in a little town up in, in the foothills called Conifer. I had talked my way into a job at a Remax. Um, I couldn't get anybody else to interview me. Hmm. So um, I stepped in there and I thought, how do I, how do I get business? And um, because of the small community and there were a lot of real estate agents up there, I had to find a different source. And uh, one, of, one of the friends that I had made said, you've got to come listen to this guy. He's, uh, you know, he's, he's you know, really good, and everybody, all the, all the people are starting to follow him, and he's a, he's a real estate trainer. Well, I, I always knew I didn't want to reinvent the wheel. I'm not the brightest bulb in the light fixture. You know, I'm just, I just tenacious, and I copy, and I take the, what they have, I learn it, and I implement it. Mm-hmm. So I thought, okay, great. So I went to a Mike Ferry action workshop, and the action workshop was about lead generation. And I got through one day of that, and I went, oh, my gosh, this is the answer for me. Yeah. <laughs> it didn't intimidate me at all to make those phone calls. And I thought, okay, now who do I call? You know, we didn't have computers back yeah. then. <laughs> you yeah. know, it was a phone book. It was the a co- phone book. The Coles directory. Do you remember and the, the newspaper yeah. For, yeah. for sale by owners in the newspaper. Oh. Mm. So that's, that's where I got started. And, and, of course, then I went through, I mean, I, I drank the Kool-Aid, basically. I memorized, practiced, role-played. I had role-play partners five days a week, sometimes 5 o'clock in the morning. I would role-play mm-hmm. with, uh, I don't know if, any, if people are on this um, podcast know Jackie Kravitz out of Florida. She and I would mm-hmm. role-play in the morning at 5 a.m., and I'm standing in the lobby of the gym <laughs> role-playing with her. <laughs> And so I just, I just, I just perfected my skill and I knew that I had to do that through repetitious boredom. Right. And so that's, that, that was a program that I followed for quite a while. I know all the other ones, the Brian Buffini's and, and, uh, Craig Proctor's and all that stuff. But, um, that was the one that resonated with me because I'm a hunter Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and that was, that seemed to fit my, fit my model. Yeah. And it's funny because I remember, um, back when I started, it was 300 cold calls a day. Or, I'm sorry, 300 cold calls a week. It was uh, 60 a day, open the phone book, same script over yep. and over and over and over again. But one of the things I did when I started was uh, my friend Rich, uh, who worked at a bank, um, agreed to allow me to call him every single morning and try and get an appointment with him. And so nice. he came up with a new reason why to say no every day. And so when I started making calls, 
I'd heard everything. That is so fun. I, I, <laughs> I just basically knew every excuse. And, and every once in a while, I would call somebody and they would say something and I would kind of chuckle and I'd say, well, that's the first time I've ever heard that one. Yeah. And it actually kind of was effective because the other person would laugh. And uh, sometimes you could actually get to the next step with them. Yeah. And yeah. so for you, you know, what did that look like? How many cold calls were you making a day? My goal was 20 contacts a day. Oh. Mm-hmm. And 20 contacts, not contacts, calls. Contacts, not yeah. calls. No, I had to talk to 20 people. Um, I think for a while there was, you know, back when we could talk to people, mm-hmm. nobody picks up the phone anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it, I got up to 25 was my minimum a day when I was doing doing uh, lead generation at a high level. Yeah, and that's what I was going to say is when you said 300 dials a week, that's no auto dialer, no system. So you're... It was a rotary phone, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But well, and remember how heavy the receiver was? It was like that thing could be like it's like a forty pound receiver. You're like, oh, I don't want to make oh this call. Gosh, yeah. Well, uh, yeah, but you know, and I had three phones because what? I can't. Oh, one phone's way too slow. Okay, explain this. I, I had three phone lines. I had three phones set up. I would dial one, dial the second one, dial the third one. As soon as somebody picked up, I'd hang up the other two. And I stop. <laughs> I, you were like the original Mojo dialer. Seriously? I was the original Mojo dialer. <laughs> yes. Awesome. Oh, it was just for me to sit there and wait for that thing to ring. I was listening to it. Oh, you know, my my brain's going. Come on, there's got to be faster, right? So I thought, yeah, let's just you know yeah. add some more phones here, and we're good. <laughs> That's awesome. So one of the things that I'm curious about, and I mean, we we both been, we both known each other. I think almost 20 years now, and. You have just been so consistent in your business. So, you know, like no shiny things pulling you off. I mean, for me, I I reflect on my business and I'm like going over here, doing this for a while, coming back here, doing this. And you are just staying focused and staying in the pocket. So what is the secret to that? Well, I mean, there's always evolution. You know, like I said, I started with lead generation and then I was introduced to, um, doing condominium cells and setting up cell centers and doing infill projects for um, builders and developers. I just, um, I just went with the opportunity. Yeah. And, um, and, but everything always, always, always boiled down to lead generation Yeah. in any sales business. So it didn't matter where you were. You still had to, you still had to talk to people and you, and, and numbers don't lie. Yeah. If you track them and you know them, you know what you have to do to, to make more money or to back off. You know, you yeah. can see what where are the changes. It's always based on on mathematical formulas. But, but there had to be a day that you're walking out of a listing appointment and you're like no longer jazzed about it. Like you just got it signed and you're like, meh, got another one. That never really happened for me because I'm so competitive. Yeah. You know, I I love the win. I so, think that happened for you last month, right, John? It happened to me many times in my career. Um, so so then on that point, then I, I love this conversation. So who are you competing with? Because it's not obviously somebody. Because you've been the number one agent in your area many many times. So you must not be competing locally. Oh, no. I mean, you're, I compete locally, and, and it was fun because back when I was doing a lot of lead generation, I'd role play with people that were local. Yeah. And we would compete against each other, and it was sort of a game. I mean, I remember, you know, Joe Bogar and I would bump into each other because we were calling expired for sale by owners. That was the primary source of our business for many years. 
And I'd get the listing, and I'd get in the car, and I'd call him. I got that one, you know. And he'd do the same sort of the same thing. <laughs> Allie, I'm so he's so nice. Allie, I'm so sorry. You know, I took this listing. Um, I know you were there, and I and yeah. you know, but it was it was competitive, but it was fun because we knew we were both working at a high level, and it would it all rolls around. Yeah, that's so cool. Yeah, but the funny thing about it is, is the business really hasn't changed that much, has it? No. No, I mean, it still comes down to contacts, like you said. And when I started, what year did you start, by the way? Um, well, the records the records show that I was licensed in 1992. Oh. But I actually was licensed in 1983. They oh. just didn't have computers back then. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah. And so, you know, I remember when I started, it was the same thing. You know, I was doing sweat hogs, 300 calls mm-hmm. a, week, a week, and making the same call. And I'll never forget the first day I was there. I walked in, and my team leader from my office said, there's your desk, there's your phone, go get them. And Mm -hmm. I said, well, what are you supposed to do? And he said, you find people who want to buy and sell real estate. And I said, well, how do you do that? And he said, you ask people. And he turned around (laughs) and he walked away. And so I used to sit and listen to people uh, like you who were in in the bullpen area just making those calls. And just using the same scripts. I'm like, well, if they could do it, I could do it. Mm-hmm. And it was the same script over and over again. Yeah. So what's changed, do you think, in your business as the years have gone by? Well, of course, systems and models. You know, I mean, it, uh, it just, uh, you only have a certain amount of time. I mean, our, our time is our value. Mm-hmm. We don't have anything tangible to sell. We only have our time. And so that if you can make sure that you've got things systematized, you've got models set up that so that you can streamline, you can be a lot more effective. So that was a big part of it is just making sure as, as real estate evolved and technology evolved, how can you stay ahead of it so that you're not so overwhelmed with everything being thrown at you? And then leverage was the second part. It's critical to have leverage if you want to scale up in any business, but in real estate particularly because it's so time-consuming. So those are the two things that I really focused on were systems, models, and then leverage. Okay. And tell us about your leverage now because that is a very important part, and you've done some really fun things with that. And people. Yeah. No, no, no. Um, Yeah, I've done uh, quite a bit. At one point, I had a a full team with a director of ops. I had a, a marketing director. I had a listing manager had a transaction coordinator, and I think there were five of us agents. And that, that year, uh, this well, we were doing um, – that's we did some of the project development. The, the highest year I had was 199 transactions, and that's when we were doing – You the, couldn't find one more. I know. I should have <laughs> bought one. <laughs> we're all disappointed. But I wasn't – wasn't, yeah, <laughs> I wasn't tracking the numbers really so much at that time. Um, it was just things were really busy. And, uh, you know, it was just at that point I had all that leverage. Right now, of course, I've scaled back substantially. Mm -hmm. Um, I have different people now. Um, You know, so for the real estate business alone, I have just one agent with me. I have um, uh, myself and I have an office administrator, an executive assistant, and then we have a TC. Um, I do have a uh, part-time lead manager and I have a VA. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, the VA does a lot of uh, the back office stuff for us, which is really good. And then, of course, you know, I've got other teams for other businesses. I've got um, my coaching business, of course, and I've got a, um, a, a VA there. 
And then with my uh, real estate investment business, then, of course, you have different teams. You've got an attorney, you've got an accountant, you've got a, mark, uh, a property manager. You know, so uh, it, you know, in real estate is not just about selling houses. I don't want to sell houses, you know, until the, my dying days. I want to build a real estate business, which Keller Williams afforded me to do. Yeah. And uh, it gave me a lot more opportunity. And so that business now is your sales business, your coaching business, and your investment business. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So which should we talk about next? Your coaching or your investment business? Well, my passion right now is actually split between the coaching and my, and my investment. Um, coaching, I really, really, really enjoy because, for, well, for two reasons. One, it, it forces me to stay on top of my game. I really need to know how to help my clients move forward in their businesses. And that also forced me to investigate and become more and more and more involved in the investment side of it. Because, you know, we can sell houses, but what do we do with the money? Mm-hmm. You know, if it's just in the bank, it's going to be spent. So how do you structure it so that you don't spend all your money? And then what do you do with it? Mm-hmm. Then you've got to figure out, okay, what am I going to invest in? Okay, well, how am I going to set up everything so that I, when I invest, that it's, it's, it's set up properly so that I, you know, I make sure that I don't have to pay so much tax on everything. Mm. So, so there, it, it's different, different levels, but it's all started with the coaching. And, uh, and the coaching is just, you know, I always had a coach. You know, I had a swim coach when I was in high school. I, I, was, I was a pianist. My degree was music. So I always mm. had a piano teacher, which is a coach. Um, I always knew that I didn't want to invent what to do. I wanted to talk to the professionals and have them tell me what to do, and then I would go do it. Mm. And so as when I became the professional and I was coaching my people, it forced me to get better at every single thing that they were doing, which opened up more opportunities for me for growth and for learning. And I've always been very learning-based. I read a lot. I yeah. audible a lot. I don't read a lot. So, so what's really interesting about that conversation, and I think it hangs up a lot of people when it comes to hiring a coach, is we're all entrepreneurs and we love our creativity. And I'm speaking for myself right now. <laughs> but the challenge is, and I think Gary Keller has a quote around this where he talks about models is models is you know like a recipe. So it's starting where the last person left off. Right. So you're not having to reinvent the all the basics. You're building on top of those once you've learned and developed them. And I mean, it took me years to learn that, like, you know, because I would just just muscle my way through something. But then it would it would kind of crumble behind me because I, I didn't build it under, you know, a solid model. Right. Um, so if anybody's listening like that, I think is the lesson there about you learn that at a young age because you had a swim coach and you were in athletics and, and, and a piano. Right. And a lot of us didn't, Well, I <laughs> we mean, learn it the hard way. Well, and that's why, you know, it, it's shocking to me that more people don't have coaches in the real estate business because you, you completely eliminate the learning curve. Yeah. Someone is guiding you all the way through the process from the beginning to the end. And it just, you, 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 become more successful so much faster Mm -hmm. and when you really look at the numbers and you look at what coaching cost in um in comparison to what a commission is today yep especially in colorado it only takes one commission and you pay for a full year coaching contract so it Mm -hmm. always always amazed me when people felt like i don't know if i can afford it i'm going well you know of course you can because we can prove that we can make you more money yeah in the end game yeah 
but, but or, or shorten the amount of time it takes you to make money. That's the key. Absolutely. Because a lot of people run out of time. They do. Right. Mm-hmm. Because they run out of money. And so they run out of money, they run out of time, and it's because they don't have an accountability system set up. Mm-hmm. The coaching is not only training, um, it's an accountability. And it's also um, helping them understand how to think for themselves on their feet without having to give all the answers. I think there's another point that you made, too, where you're talking about role-playing with somebody in another state. And I think that's another thing that coaching brings to you is oftentimes coaches are coaching people in multiple markets. And something that's occurring in one market may be coming to yours. And so you start to watch this progression and your coach is like, okay, here's what's happening here. We're going to get you ahead of that. And we're going to start, at, if nothing else, we're going to lay out the breadcrumbs. So when this occurs, you you can move into that market quickly or move into that opportunity quickly. And instead of it kind of, you know, falling onto you all of a sudden and you're trying to react or respond, you're, you're prepared. Right, right. You know, you know and it's funny because um, people that, there, there are markets that are still doing really well. Yeah. Um, they're, they're not plagued with, um, I mean, they're all plagued with low inventory, but they're, they're, um, actually doing the business because they know that um, the accountability piece is going to show up every week. So on that, what are you coaching your clients to do right now? Since we have this coaching mind mm-hmm. and with so much experience in front of us, we're going to get some free coaching right sure. now. Yeah. What do you suggest? They well, I think on? just just recently, you know, it's, it's interesting because right now, the, um, I, I wrote down some statistics that uh, 92% of all the households out there have um, interest rates under 6%. Mm-hmm. 82% have interest rates under 5%. Mm-hmm. So we, we, we're in a, in a place where we call something, um, we, we call it the golden handoff. Like, um, you know, I know me personally, you know, I have a very, very low interest rate on, on my home, which I, uh, you know, which I got during the the downtime and so what happens with most people is they're going okay i need to i need to i want to make this move but i don't absolutely have to and they look at you know they go out and they start looking at property or looking at things online and then they investigate the interest rates and they have a two and a half percent interest rate and the current interest rate is around six percent and they're going you know, I'm not going to make this move. Six, right? Where are you where are you getting your loans from? Well, that's people that have like you have to have a 800 FICO score <laughs> or last higher. Name of Buffett. <laughs> yeah, yeah, seven percent. Um, so, so it's it's interesting. The market has shifted dramatically, so our yeah. inventory is really, really, really low. And so, for the clients that I work with, uh, our focus is finding the people that have to make the move. Mm-hmm. And one of the things we're talking about right now, which I got from another local agent, Alan Strange who's also a coach, mm-hmm. is the 10 Ds. Focus on the 10 Ds. And the 10 Ds uh, are like divorce, um, people getting education and coming out of college. Uh, you've got people, you know, diapers, people that are, that are growing their families, uh, dumpsters. You know, if you drive a neighborhood and you see a dumpster, stop and talk to the, the mm. person. They might be selling their home. Uh, downsizing, of course. So it's so there's a list of 10 Ds. And if you can identify the people in your database, your sphere, your past clients that fit one of the Ds, their, their probability of making a move is a lot higher than somebody else. Mm-hmm. So it's looking for those off-market opportunities. And, I mean, there's so many expireds and just so many for sale by owners, and they're just, um, you know, they're, they're getting bombarded. We've got to look for something else. Mm-hmm. And uh, so when I talk to my coaching clients, we're focusing on look, finding those off-market properties. 
You know what it reminds me of is I, I got my Carlton Sheets tapes, right? Remember Buy Houses No Money Down? Yeah. VHS. Yeah. That's why I say tapes is because they were the VHS. And back then it was teaching you to go door knock. This is how actually how I ended up in real estate is he said, go into neighborhoods and you're you're not going to go into the nice neighborhoods. Go into the 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 you know the you know lower middle class neighborhoods or lower class neighborhoods and you say look for broken down cars look for paint chipping look for doors off the hinges cracked windows boarded up windows knock on those doors overgrown lawns overgrown lawns Mm -hmm. yep because of the same thing the 10 d's i mean this is not new no right it's just back again well it's back again because people didn't have to work for the last five or six years Uh, business just sort of fell in your hand and right now you've got to go out and hunt yep and um and you've got to hunt for people that that are raising their hand and those are the attendees. Yeah, you know, I, I was thinking about this the other day because we've been talking a lot about this concept and this this thing here about look for the people who are struggling. Yeah, a lot of some of those things are struggling. Half to moves, half to moves. Yeah, but here, but here's the thing that I was thinking about is the reality is is that you know money just doesn't like disappear. It just changes hands. So for somebody who's struggling right now, somebody else is actually doing really well. Okay, and so it's not just about that group of people. You have to also look for the people who are in businesses right now that are doing really, really well. Like, for example, during COVID, if you were in the restaurant industry, uh, you weren't doing very well. Yeah. Right. But I think right now that industry is actually doing very well. So what are those industries that we could be looking at? You know, who is doing really well right now? I mean, that's the key. And find those people and then go find out who's making more money during this time. Yeah. And I'll, I'll, I'll tell you right now, like, you know, doing the meeting with our agents and looking at their, you know, their quarterly business plan and their reviews, the agents that speak Spanish are killing it right now Mm. because that demographic has frankly been priced out for a long time. And now there's opportunity for, for that demographic to enter the market that, you know, I, I wish I spoke Spanish. I mean, I mean, I would probably not want too young to learn. Takes like three weeks. <laughs> I have taken. What is I what took, is that program that you can go the app that you can learn Babel or something like that? Three weeks, you'll be speaking Spanish, right? That'd be awesome, or at yeah. least well enough to communicate. Yeah. But but to your point, is there are there are pockets that are like this is my time, right? And and it's funny that you bring up the the thing about the opportunity because I said this to my son who's getting he's graduating nursing school in December and he said I want to buy a house, right? That's his next thing he's checking off the boxes you know and he says but they're too expensive and i said i said here's the thing is a recession is going to create an opportunity for you to enter because i bought my first house in 97 and we were in a soft recession it wasn't a big one but it was a soft recession and the house i bought had dropped thirty thousand dollars and it fell into the chaffa guidelines and i was able to jump in because it was ninety nine thousand dollars so and I was able to get an opportunity to buy that house that then over the next five years, you know, went up to like, oh, I don't know, 175000 I kept it for many, many years. But, but that opportunity wouldn't have come without that recession. Well, what's also important to note about that is he'll also be making more money than he's ever made in his entire life. Yeah. The first job that he gets, right? Yeah. And so is he, what is he going to spend that money on? Yeah, exactly. He doesn't have any expenses. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, and to get a foothold into real estate is is the smartest way to make money. The, the major, I mean, the majority of the millionaires in this world are are built their 
their income off of real estate yeah. at, some, at some level. And um, you, you don't have to, you just have to qualify for the first mortgage payment. Mm-hmm. You can get roommates. You can have them come in, pay for your loan. You, you have to take into consideration every piece of an asset. It's not just making the payment. It's the annual appreciation. Yeah. Well, it's the annual principal reduction. And, and to your point, now you can rent out your garage. There's apps that rent your garage out, mm-hmm. right? So yeah. you can just literally turn your house into a moneymaker. You could, yeah. yeah. <laughs> rent bathroom. out the rooms, rent out the garage. Yeah. Let bathroom it usage. You're going to rent out your bathroom? Mm-hmm. $3. <laughs> $3. <laughs> okay. A flush? A flush. <laughs> All right. So let's move on to the investment side of things. Yeah. Tell me about that. What's going on with your investment side? Well, I mean, that's a big focus right now because, um, you know, I'm I'm of an age where, uh, you know, uh, passive income is, is really critical. And and I want to maintain a, life, a certain lifestyle. Also, I want to set up generational wealth for my, my, mm-hmm. chow, my children and my, my grandchildren. And so that's been the, the primary focus for me for the last few years. Um, you know, we, we, you know, doing... We're doing a flip right now, so you know that's that's additional income. However, it's the holds that make sense. So, as far as the assets, it's just the accumulation and then just paying them all off. Um, and so, once you pay it off, then you've got to have the correct entity set up so that you can protect yourself against tax liability. And how? And so, it's I've, we've really delved into that, and I brought my my children into the process as well. They're both they both are in real estate also. Um, however, we're taking it to the next level, and we're really, really focused on um, growing the, the the wealth of the family, which then, after I'm gone, will just trickle down to them. And so it's it's really the, the primary focus right now. We're looking for opportunities everywhere. Um, we're really we're liquidating um, we're liquidating assets in some of the areas where the costs are getting higher. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're looking for other uh, locations like, you know, Kentucky, Arkansas, um, where the, the affordability is better, but the rents are, are still really good. And you don't have the impact of, uh, you know, for example, Florida hurricanes, mm-hmm. um, high taxes, high, uh, high insurance costs. Colorado, all the restrictions for renting right now are getting a little out of control and it's very difficult to to feel confident getting a tenant into a property and, and knowing that if they don't perform, you, you know, you, you've got to figure out how to, um, mm-hmm. still make income off that property. So it's, it's really, it's, it's a whole new educational direction. Um, and so, so I've focused on that primarily over the last few years. You know what I love and I admire about watching you, right. Getting, getting the opportunity to work next to you and see you and watch you operate as, how you keep your keep your kids involved so it's not like you're building up this you know this this asset pool and handing it off to people who don't understand it they're involved they're involved in your real estate business they're involved in your investment business they're involved you know so you're handing up you're educating them from a how to do it and then why to do it perspective and understanding the rules of money and the rules of investment so when they are handed off they don't misuse it well, you know, and that's a learned behavior. It's certainly mm-hmm. something I did not know anything about mm-hmm. until um, I got into coaching, to be honest with you. I mean, I had some investments, but I really didn't understand um, the ability to 
propel other people forward in their learning curves. Mm-hmm. And I started in, you know, I, I, uh, of course, I'm, I'm part of a Dave Ramsey organization, um, and I've read all of his books. And one of the books I'm actually having my grandchildren do now is um, something by his daughter, Rachel, and yeah. it's called Smart Money, Smart Kids. And it teaches from you know, three, four-year-olds, when they start getting an, not an, an allowance or some form of, of allowance for showing responsibility to get things done. And it, it walks you through how to not spend every penny you make, yeah. how to, you know, how to, how to create buckets so that you've got resources to invest. And then we talk about compounding interest. We talk about all kinds of things. And, and so it's, it was a learned behavior that I started, um, you know, really implementing and teaching my grown children, mm-hmm. and now we're trickling it down to my grandchildren. So it's, they're gonna, their learning curve is going to be a lot quicker. That's awesome. Okay, so what would be the number one piece of advice you'd give somebody to get started in the investment game? Investing well, in real well like what Sean was just talking about with his son. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, he's, you know, it's, it's a little fearful. I want to buy my first house. How can I afford it? Well, if you can afford it on paper, you can afford it because Ooh. you can get other people in to help you offset the expense. And then you use that as your stepping stone. So do not hesitate because you feel like you're, the, the burden is 100% on your shoulders. It's not. Yeah. And also look at the whole picture. You, you know, yes, you're, you're making a mortgage payment, but you'd have to pay rent anyway. And you, you also have appreciation. I mean, annual appreciation, um, on average, is about 4% over the last 40 years. I mean, mm-hmm. it's going to appreciate no matter what. And also the, the depreciation of your, um, of your um, uh, principal yep. because you're pay- making your payments on your mortgage. So you've got to factor in and your tax write-offs. I mean, when you look at the whole picture, you, in many cases, you're gaining 10, 15, 20% on an asset that you purchased that you didn't think you could afford. Yeah. So when you really understand the whole picture around it, take the fear away. Yeah. Take the, take the leap. Worst case, you got to sell it. Yeah. I love that. That's right. I think the last uh, study I saw is I think it kind of around two years, it actually pays off for you to own a property versus rent a property. Because usually rent is a little bit cheaper, but by the time you factor in all those other things, actually appreciation especially – uh, two years into it, you actually have made more money than you would have if you just would have paid a smaller payment on your rent. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. Okay. So where are you where are you going to go from here then? So you've been in the business for a while, and you uh, have you know accomplished everything you need to accomplish or wanted to accomplish as far as sales go. Uh, you're a coach and you're passionate about that. Have the investments rolling. So what's next? Boy, that's the billion dollar question <laughs> i i that's that's something that i'm struggling with i don't know um i know that i'll never retire it's just not in my dna um you know but yet there are times yeah, I, I i do have a place that i go to and i can go there for months on end and i can still work from there if i need to um which is which is a you know a place on the beach which is wonderful um but i don't know because i'm just i am just i get so anxious when I don't have something to do Mm -hmm. and I'm not learning Mm -hmm. and it's just I don't know if it's a character trait or if it's something that's just been um you know put into my system or if it's just the habit that I've created I'm not quite sure what that is so to answer your question I'm not sure um 
but I do know that whatever direction I go in, I'm 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 150% involved, and I am very tenacious about what I want to get. Okay, so you've started as a new agent, you've been an emergent agent, and then uh, you've been to the top of the mountain, right? So let's talk about at each level a piece of advice that you would give somebody. So for a brand new agent, what's the number one piece of advice that you'd give them? You know, I think the the number one piece of advice I would give you is number one, don't let fear stop you. Mm. Um, If you if you're afraid because you don't know the answers, then then don't be afraid. Just ask the question and then tell them you can go find the answer. That's number one. Uh, number two, once you start getting into where you're doing quite a bit of business, be careful about um, doing it all yourself. Start leveraging sooner than you think you're ready for because it will just, it will just help you double down. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's a secondary thing. Uh, the critical piece, once you start growing an organization, is is determining what you want the culture of your organization to be. Mm, And you hire to that. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I know that that it takes, you know, the old saying, one bad apple spoils the bunch, right? And so we're very, very, very clear with anybody that we hire about the culture of my organization and the fact that we're transparent and the fact that, um, you know, we expect people to take ownership of any mistake and that, and that oh, nobody overreacts and we're there mm-hmm. to support them. But they have to be open to, you know, being, being part of our organization. And so we're very, very particular about the people that come in because we don't want our culture to change. Mm-hmm. And so that's really important when you're scaling up. Okay. And I would imagine based on what I know about you, one of the important things for you is to make sure that, that everybody on your team is all in and a hundred percent committed. Is that correct? Oh yeah. Because that's a big challenge. I think in real estate, there's yeah. a lot of people who want to dabble. There's a lot of people who don't, I mean, let's face it. A lot of people get in this business because they want to have what? Freedom. 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 Mm-hmm. And, okay. and, and unlimited money. <laughs> That's right. And not have to work. And not have to work. And not be told what to do. We should actually create a coaching program that's called Freedom and Unlimited Money. There's a lot of those out there. Yeah. 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 And and the leader makes a lot of money and nobody else does. Right. 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 Exactly. It's so, you know, tell me about that. I mean, what is the expectation that you have for being all in for your team? Well, I mean, you've got to have the accountability piece. I coach my team just like I coach my, my um, real estate clients. And so, you know... And real estate agents notoriously are squirrels. I mean, it's just the, the nature of their of their DNA. If you're a good salesperson, you're not good at paperwork. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, they just don't go hand in hand. So, so it's really the again, it's a, an accountability piece. Yeah, I expect them to be in, but I also know that you know people are people. Mm-hmm. And um, so, culture to me is really the number one thing uh, because we cover each other and we don't complain about it. You know, um, when 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 somebody's busy and something is coming in and has to happen, our team they'll automatically step in. They'll automatically step in and take yeah. over. Uh, so so as far as the accountability piece, it's it's still it's it's still something that has to be monitored. Uh, it's still something that you have to set goals. You have to do your weekly four one ones or your mm-hmm. your one on ones. I was going to ask you if that's what you're using four one ones. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. The GPS and the four one one, and um, and it's a very and and especially if you've got a team of people and someone's not a hundred percent working out, uh, especially a salesperson, because each week when you have that four one one and they promised to do A B C and D and they didn't, yep. and that goes on for two or three weeks, you you really don't have to worry about letting anybody go. They self select out. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. So you keep giving them the opportunities, keep holding them to that accountability. And if they're not the right fit for the team, they'll see it themselves and they'll just say, this is uncomfortable. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or, they'll, or they'll ask for help. Or right? they'll ask for help. Yeah. 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 You know, what's really amazing to me is, is, is a lot of people, you know, when you get started in anything, and especially in real estate, you say, you talk about goal setting, talk about accountability. 411 is a tool that we use and, and we're always like, you know, you got to use this. And I think sometimes people are like thinking that the people that are at the top don't have to use those things because they're just naturally good, mm-hmm. that they naturally can do it. But actually, you're very structured when it comes down to it, I would say. Would you agree with that? Well, if you're at the top, you've got to have structures and systems and models because you can't mm-hmm. sustain at a high level for an extended period of time if you're not. Well, what it does when you're performing at a high level is it gives you and others permission to say no, right? Yeah. It's like, yeah, that's, that's not what I'm going to focus on. And mm-hmm. we all have permission to say, that's not my job. Yeah, that was one of the biggest challenges that I had. I was a yes person mm-hmm. because I because I knew that if I took on the job that, that I would do it 100%. And so I, I had, I actually had a coach that told me, you cannot say yes to one more thing yep. until you run it by me first. Mm. And so I, I took that at heart and, and I would just say, I, you know, I have talked to my coach. Oh, I love it. Yeah. I and then that's, and that's how, and, and I would talk to my coach, I go, okay, well then, then they would say, okay, tell me what you're doing right now. How much time do you have? What do you, what are you dedicated to focus on? Um, how much free time do you have? How much time mm-hmm. do you have with your family? We went through all the seven circles, right? Spiritual, mm-hmm. physical, you know, what are you doing? Take care of your body. And if there was no time, there was no. Yeah. Yeah. Even if you enjoy doing some things, it's just best that you're not the one doing it. And that's a hard, that's a hard lesson. It, well, it is initially, but I'll tell you what, once you learn how to leverage and let go, yeah. when you get it back, but nobody it's does, painful. But nobody does flyers better than me, Allie. <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't see me doing that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it is, it's funny. You get to a point where once you let go, um, it's almost resentful when it comes back to you because you're like, okay, I'm doing all these other things and it's just interrupting my flow for, for the next level. Mm-hmm. That's right. Well, Ellie, I want to thank you for spending time with us today. Um, it's always fun to talk to you. Is there anything else that you want to leave people listening to this podcast? Anything else special that you want to say? You know, I would just say that um, real estate is is a vehicle. And yes, you, you if you are an agent and you get into the business and you start selling houses, that's not the only vehicle. Mm-hmm. So don't limit yourself. And don't keep yourself in a, in a place where you're limited. Um, you know, reach out to other people that are doing other things and always scale up to, to people that are doing more than you are. So I've always learned whenever anything that I did, I never hung around the people that were doing less than me. I always hung around people that were doing more. Mm-hmm. So don't have ego. That's the key thing. Mm. And just focus on, on what the end game is. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you, Allie. We really appreciate your time. If uh, they want to get in contact with you, have any questions, is there any way that they can do that? Email, social media? Sure. Yeah. Well, social media, Van Westenberg Partners. Um, you can go to social media. And um, I'm Allie Van Westenberg. And my email is Allie at teamvwp.com. All right. Great. Thank you for your time today. Yeah, and thank you. Uh, we'll talk to everybody soon. Yeah. All right.